Welcome to Mind Over Matter, brought to you by Race the Mind. Within this podcast, we discuss ways various people overcome mental barriers and negative mindset to achieve their goals using the power of sport and exercise. Within this episode, we meet a group of guys from London who are taking on one of the most daunting and dangerous challenges in the world by rowing the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. The team, on shoulders of giants, have agreed to share their journey during the preparation stages and how they overcome mental barriers and obstacles so far, as well as preparing themselves physically and mentally to spend 30 plus days tackling the elements and rowing the Atlantic Ocean. I hope you enjoy getting to know the guys as much as I have and supporting their journey. So let's get started and welcome the guys from On Shoulders of Giants to episode one of Mind Over Matter. Hi guys, how are you doing? How are you doing, Andy? Yeah, very good. Thank you for your time today and welcome to episode one of Mind Over Matter. We've got the guys from On Shoulders of Giants joining us to discuss and tell us about their start of their journey for the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge 2020, which they're going to be setting off in December from La Gomera in the Canary Islands to a 3,000 mile row and finishing up in the English Harbour in Antigua. So let's introduce the guys to you all. So we have got Rory, Dan, Mark and Justin. I think the best way to start is for you guys to introduce yourself. So who wants to go first? I'll, I'll, I'll happily go first. Um, so yeah, um, my name's Rory. I'm a physiotherapist based here in, in London. Uh, and I guess uh, the, the title I've given myself is, is founder. I'm, I'm the founder of, of, of On Shoulders of Giants. Uh, and yeah, just really excited about the challenge and, and getting going. So Rory, you say you're the founder, and I know we've spoken a few different times, and you like you like to uh, mention that you're the founder to me. So uh, when you say the founder, are you the you the main guy that came up with the idea and you sold it to to the rest of the lads? I don't. I think do you know what more than one of us had had the idea previously. I think I was just the one who 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 kind of drew that all together and probably drew all of these guys in. Um, in, in the first instance to, to, to try and make it happen. I think that, I, I don't know that I can claim responsibility for, for all of these guys. But I think that's true. I think it's true, mate. I think it's true. So I'm Dan and I'm the first guy that Rory got in onto the boat. And so I think we can definitely say that he is the founder and we can definitely say that he's responsible for all of us being out there in the middle. And for that, we should be hugely grateful. I'm, 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 I'm trying to absolve myself of too much responsibility, but, but there we are. Dan, how how did uh, how did Rory position it to you when, when he came to you with the, with the idea to start with? He he just said he, he's, he's, Rory's pretty straight up and down guy, so he just said, "Look, mate," it was like, "Boss, got this idea. Do you want to do it?" And then later he said, "Do you want to do it as a two? I said, "Absolutely not, mate. I'm sorry." Reason I personally wouldn't want to do it as a two. A lot of respect for the people who do want to do it as a two. You never actually see the other person that you're rowing with. So I wanted to see some other people on the crossing. And I thought two might be a bit tough. This way, Rory and I will actually get to talk when we're on the way over, which will be quite fun. Yeah, I'd imagine you wanted to be able to do it, experience it together. And actually, if you have something that you see when you're out in the middle of the ocean, you want to share it together and have at least share it with somebody for, as an experience, I guess. 
No, I need I need someone to cry with when uh, my first <laughs> sunrise, see a whale, you know that kind of thing. Amazing. So your role within the crew, I understand, are you a nutrition and technical lead? Is that right? That, that's right. Yes, yeah. so I I help out with uh, nutrition um, and and the technical side. So the technical side encompasses things like our water maker and other systems that we have on the boat. So um, I'm I'm the person who needs to know how all of those things work everybody needs to know how they work but but arguably me most of all so that i can fix anything that goes wrong so you'll all be trained in everything but you'll be solely responsible for that area that's right yeah exactly we've divided up the responsibilities um divide and conquer so moving on going on from nutritional and technical lead we go to the medical lead which is mark so how did you get that role um, well, I'm, I'm also a, a physio, so the second physio in the, in the team. So um, it felt like a very natural uh, sort of affiliation. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm a medical lead. And that's sort of both, both on that obvious medical side, but also trying to facilitate some of the, the, the site prep that we're going to need throughout the crossing as well. Um, but it's interesting. It's very coincidental. I was looking back through old messages and, and back on that idea of how, how Rory pulled us all together and sort of saw messages back from last February, February, March of, you know, again, do you want to be involved in this? And uh, it does bring back memories of, of those very initial conversations, which feel like a long time ago. Um, Rory and I used to work together very briefly, really, in one of our first jobs in London a number of years ago and had a couple of chance meetings, but probably the, one of the meetings most chance of all was walking down the high street in an Austrian town on two separate stag dudes in fancy dress and uh and and stumbling across each other and and it was probably at that point that we confirmed that this row was on so um stumbling be the, the operative word i think as well yeah that'll be my sort of forever memory that uh sort of attached to well maybe it's a shame that it's it's one of the memories that's attached to this this experience but um it was certainly a significant one i think actually in getting this whole thing together so has it has it felt like it's been a bit of a whirlwind and it's come around pretty quickly to where we are today? Yeah, I think it has, and I think when you look back on it, you you realise that you know there, there's a lot that's been packed into the last twelve eighteen months. But you do do find yourself getting, I guess, sort of caught up in what's the next task, what's the next what's the next thing we need to do, what do we need, to, you know, where do we need to be in a month's time or a few weeks' time, or what's our next deadline? So. Um, you you do then sometimes forget to look at the bigger picture, and it, it's it's moments perhaps even in in lockdown for me personally. You had a chance to just flick back and and think, crikey, actually we have we have come come a long way even up to this point. And I think even moments like getting the boat more recently, you know, again that that makes things feel very real and um, is a reminder of, of of what we've had to do just to get to that point, which has been quite cool. I think it was this time last year, wasn't it, Mark, that you and I went to that drinks event for sort of rowers past, present and future in, in, in central London. Um, I remember people then saying, you know, oh, it's, you know, we've got six months to go and, and feeling sort of quite chipper about the fact that we were still 18 months out. And uh, yeah, looking back, it, it didn't take very long between those drinks and watching those guys we met that day sort of hit the start line. So yeah, the, the, the next six months, I think, is going to, gonna well, it's not six months now, but it's going to fly by. Yeah, the next few months for you guys, I'd imagine, is going to be big whirlwind of prep training and 
excitement and not anxiety, but a little bit of nervousness as well, I'd imagine. I think we can say anxiety. I think anxiety is fine. <laughs> so last but not least in the team, we've got Justin, who has got the title of skipper. So how have you managed to get the, the title of the, of the main man in somewhat? Basically, I've got quite a lot of on-water experience. I've sailed a lot since basically I was brought up sailing. Um, down the south coast and i've done a um, atlantic crossing set well sailing um, across the atlantic a similar route actually so from gran canaria to uh, to saint lucia um, and there's quite a lot of crossover in terms of skills on the water between sailing and rowing obviously aside from the, the way in which you propel the boat but otherwise quite a lot of clarity boat handling, navigation, stuff like that. So I think my basis of uh, of getting that role is just having that experience, um, both just in general sort of, uh, boat handling and experience on the water and also actually having done a kind of crossing on a boat, albeit twice the size, um, and taken, took about half the time that this rowing crossing will take and being a lot, a lot less physical. So that's probably the background to me and getting getting that role and doing some of the skipper role and the, the navigation so i assume you're going to be the um as you've done the route before you're sort of like the google maps of the team as well <laughs> yeah exactly exactly stick the tom tom <laughs> on and then uh, i'll tell you which way to go and then hopefully <laughs> arrive there and hopefully it doesn't say do a u-turn at any point and like Mark alluded to the fact that, that that we recently got hold of the boat and and i think certainly from my point of view Sort of, you, you, you know, we're going to talk a bit more about things that you weren't expecting coming up, but the actual means of, of getting the boat and, and putting it out on the water, uh, you know, and just, and just getting it around and, and sort of orientating yourself in marinas and all the rest of it, it is, is in itself quite a, an, an underestimated part of, of what it is to get out. And Justin's experience has been like invaluable in in allowing us to do that, and we've all sort of said that. Yeah, okay, we bought the boat, and that was great. But without Justin's knowledge of of being able to you know navigate harbors or, or being able to understand tides and wind direction and all of that sort of stuff, you know, the other three of us we, would have been sort of somewhat floundering in the Limington River. Whereas instead, we've been able to get out on the water and and just sort of really crack on with training, sort of. From, from the get-go, which uh, given the delays because of sort of coronavirus and all of those bits and pieces has been invaluable to us as a team. Uh, so so I think I think we made the right call. It's the nicest thing you've ever said to me, Rory. Um, Recording as well, crikey. <laughs> yeah. He's confirmed your bromance. No, but I think, um, I think that's, so, that's true of all of us in terms of all bring quite, we all bring very sort of strong and separate skills. And so together, I think our, our sort of team unit is, is is strong. We obviously got Dan's kind of nutrition background. Um, we've got obviously Mark, Mark, both Mark and Rory's sort of physio background and health background. Um, and Rory's obviously social media guru as well. So that's this is all together. It's all been it's all been incredibly helpful to get us to where we've got to in terms of. I mean, there's so many facets to doing this type of project and raising money, raising awareness. Um, obviously, and setting ourselves up for for success on the crossing. So I think we all bring a really sort of strong skill to that together. We've got a good good basis to do this crossing in 
do it um, successfully. Yeah, I'm sure you guys do well. Obviously, we'll be following you all the way, having more updates. So as training and post-race, obviously, I'd love to be there with you during the race. But um, moving on, just to, just to touch on basically the story. I know, Rory, you, you're classed as the founder and you're the guy that sort of came up with the light bulb idea. Just wondered, is there any more to the story and how the challenge came about? Like, Is it something you stumbled across on or did you know about the Talisco Whiskey Atlantic Challenge previously? I guess it's one of those things that I've kind of probably been peripherally aware of for a really long time. Um, and, you, you know, you go back and you, you look at sort of, you know, when James Crackman and Ben Fogel did it a few years ago, um, being aware of that, but probably not paying that much attention to it. But I suppose it was really drawn into focus when uh, a guy that I was actually at university did, did the race, what, in 2017 now, very successfully. They, they, you know, they won the race and they broke the world record and, and all of those bits. Um, and should have watched that from afar and just thought, God, like that would be an amazing, an amazing challenge. I lost a friend to motor neurone disease uh, a few years ago as well. Since then, and, and, and probably even before, have been really into doing sort of long distance ultra endurance type challenges. And it's that thing, whenever you find something that you think, oh, this is the ultimate, this is the hardest possible thing, something else comes up that is more difficult or, or you know, more challenging. And at the moment, I think, I think rowing the Atlantic is, is at the top of that list for me. Really, the, the, yeah, the peripherally aware of the race for a long time. And then, as I say, drawn into focus when, when somebody I knew actually went ahead and did it. And then the, the motivation really comes from from Steph and comes from wanting to do something great to remember an old friend, but but also to try and raise some some money and some awareness for for a great cause. I think that's the that's what it kind of trickles down to, I guess. And the the ultimate goal is winning it and breaking breaking the record. Is that right? One of the things with this race is that it's there are so many variables and so many things that you can't control. We we've said. And we agreed as a team from the beginning that, that we, we were going to say that we're going to try and win the race. And to us, what that means is that we're going to do everything in our power to make our boat go as quickly as possible. And that really, when, when we say we want to try and win the race, that, that's what that boils down to for us is saying, OK, well, look, we're committing to being as quick as we can possibly be. The, there are going to be there are going to be challenges along the way that we've got no control over. And, and that might be weather, that might be conditions. That's, that, that'll be other crews and, and, you know, how well prepared those guys are and, and, and everything along those lines. So I'm very keen that we, you know, we, we, well, I say I'm very keen. Justin's very keen that I keep my head in the boat is probably a better way of, a better way of wording it. But when we, yeah, we've outwardly said that we're going at this to try and win the race. But what we mean by that is that we're doing everything we can to optimize our performance. Records and things are very difficult to sort of, to try and guarantee or to try and shoot for just because it is so variable and there are so many things that can impact that. And as I say, look, there are some, there are going to be some really, really other, really great other crews out there. But, you know, we think that if we do everything right, there's no reason why we can't be the first boat to make it to Antigua. As you said, I assume that the, one of the biggest challenges is, is that you're battling against mother nature and you just don't know what it could throw at you when you, you could have a completely clear crossing. On the other hand, you could have the complete opposite and that could de delay you by a number of days. But um, as you said, I guess you've got to focus on what you guys are doing and pushing yourself as best as you can and keep into your game plan and not worry about what other people are doing or what records there are until you, you can see the finish line towards the end, I guess. 
Well, I think there's two things. I think firstly, just on the on the impact of the weather, I mean, it's so significant because when you look back at how each of the crews have done, obviously the crews are of different levels who've won the race, but the finishing times do vary quite significantly. And I think the the time when the record was broken a few years ago, they were very favourable conditions. So like, the reason why you do it from the Canary Islands to the Caribbean in December is because you have the trade winds with you, which tend to be relatively stable and supporting you and blowing you in the direction of the finish line. Um, now, sometimes they don't set in um, and aren't quite as stable and you might get some headwinds or something at the start, or you might not get any winds, which also slows you down. Um, and when the record was broken a few years ago, they had good, like strong, stable trade winds. And I think the top, I can't remember the exact numbers, but a number of crews that beat the previous record. So it just gives you an indication that the wind conditions and the, the trade wind conditions can affect your time by sort of five plus days, really. So it's quite a significant impact. And I think what we are doing is we're just really trying to focus on the things that we have control of, um, which is really how we are preparing what we can do to, to ourselves and to the boat and how we operate in the boat to ensure that we go as quickly as possible across, um, across the Atlantic. So I understand as well that you guys are going to be doing two hours on, two hours off. Is that right? And are you going to be working in shifts together or are you going to be mixing it up? Two hours on, two hours off um, is the standard, but that may get varied depending on weather conditions. So sometimes you might choose to row three up um, if the if the weather conditions are unfavourable. Um, you might equally choose to shorten the shifts. Um, in the heat of the day where it's more difficult to maintain a longer shift, there are a number of decisions that you could you could make. I guess also to, to pick up on some of the points the guys were making, as Justin said, we're trying to control the factors in our control. And really, we look at two separate types of things we're trying to do. Uh, one is about optimizing you know, what people call human performance. And then secondly, is around all of our skills on the sea. Um, so human performance is about when you're rowing, to make sure that you can put the most, maintain the most power effectively through the oar for uh, for the crossing. So that's about uh, being fit, being strong, making sure that you're eating well so that you're fueled to perform and fueled to recover, making sure that we get the most out of our sleep periods uh, so that we can recover optimally. Um, and then the sea skills piece is all about making sure that all of that energy that we have uh, as we've built our fitness over time and as we've eaten well and slept well and all these things, all of that is is, is, is put into uh, making the boat go forward. So it's everything from rowing with good technique to being able to do other things that are important at sea. So if the weather turns in really nasty, we might need to deploy things like our parachute anchor to keep us stable in the sea uh, while we wait for those conditions to pass, all of those types of things. And those sea skills will also effectively help improve our average speed from the Canaries over to Antigua. Obviously, the main thing about Race the Mind and the Mind Over Matter podcast, it's to do with discussing the mental barriers and obstacles that may have arisen so far or that are going to arise throughout your challenge. So have you guys come across any mental barriers um, and obstacles so far in your preparation in the pre-stages to where you are now? Obviously, COVID is going to be a big one when it kicked off. I'd imagine that quite a bit of a dent to the mental mindset because of the unknown. Yeah, I think in, for food, it's been hugely 
disruptive, isn't it, for, for lots of people's um, plans and, and some people have suffered a far greater ex- extent than we have, certainly. So as changed our uh, the way in which we we do things I, I think it's been important not to lose sight of that that end goal always and then um one, one of the things we're going to really need on the water is is resilience as a team the ability to respond and react to the things that happen that might not be part of the original plan and this is this was was a was a lovely practice run for that in uh, in some ways where if we if we take some examples of you know training um suddenly the way in which we we trained had to change hugely from where we could normally access gyms and, and have a, a specific program doing certain things we then had, had to adapt so it was getting as much equipment as we could to our homes and um, playing around with volume and tempo to create a certain stimulus that we need to, to get some adaptation in the body to still move forward physically you know we've all got rowing machines at, at home now which we didn't have which has allowed us to continue to to chuck on with improving our, our cardiovascular fitness so that's that's been a, a huge piece for us to to try and uh, navigate I, I think the way in which we've communicated has, has had to change as well previously we were able to to meet up weekly face to face and you know had a number of different you know events planned that, that would have had a lot of us coming together and, and those things have changed as well using zoom and Google Hangouts calls, you know, all, all this sort of stuff. Being a little bit more inventive with with how we uh, stay connected. We've got some uh, good platforms we use to try and keep all our information in one place and um, allow us to streamline our ways of of working, which has been hugely helpful as well. A lot of people say that it's doing this challenge. Ninety percent of the of the battle is being mentally prepared and getting yourself to the start line. Once you're out there, obviously. There's only so much you can do physically and training-wise to get yourself prepared to cross the Atlantic. But most people say 90% is mental and getting your your mind in a good enough space to take you through 30, 40 days at sea, constantly rowing. How have you managed to prepare your sort of your mind for that duration? It's um, it's, it's a big big focus for the next next few months for us, and some of the themes I know that we want to explore more to make us feel like we're as prepared as we can be on on that for the, for the race start uh, uh, looking at scenario planning so what happens if things go wrong what does what does things going wrong look like and there are a number of different elements uh, to that from a micro level of something breaks okay what's our process to fix that or or just uh, in a wider sense within the race if things aren't going as as we might have hoped again how do we uh, how do we adapt how do we respond as a team but also on the flip side to that which i, th- I think is 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 just as important and perhaps people don't always give as much focus to is the is the question of what happens if things go right you know actually what happens if things are going really well after a week or two weeks how do we respond to that you know and that that's perhaps not necessarily as, as simple an answer as we we might think so that will be something we'll be giving time to as well for me personally and and this actually you know is is a, is a lovely one i think with regards to just just covid and experiencing that as well but certainly when we're we're out there we're, we're going to need effective ways of perhaps having uh, an off switch you know so when we're we're on, we're on and we're focused and we're rowing. But actually when we come off the oars, how do we how do we flip that off switch to allow us some downtime, to allow us to sleep, to allow us to recover? So then we can fire that back up when we um when we need to. You know, how how do we how do we have ways in which we can create a release valve? So any any pressure, tension, anxiety that's building, 
how do we acknowledge that and how can we better release that and there may be a number of tools that we can utilize you know very simple things that will be able to just help us acknowledge moderate it and and deal with it it's having a really interesting conversation the other day um you know and we were talking about actually as as a team we're going to want to be there for each other at different times and actually you you can't be there for someone else if you're cups not full so it's very difficult actually to be able to um receive and absorb someone's angst or or frustrations or whatever it might be if you yourself are struggling so we could look at elements such as proactive communication so actually today andy it's a good day for me so actually i'm here you want to offload i can take that today and actually things like that that we could perhaps put into play within our team on the boat might be helpful ways of acknowledging and and sort of trying to deal with some of the mental challenges that we'll no doubt face i think also there's the there's the focus on the mental aspect of, of being at sea which is you know is obviously is what it is and actually something a point that was made quite recently when we were chatting to one of the other teams is that that 30 days that you're at sea or 35 days 40 days that you're at sea is a really small proportion of the amount of time within this campaign and i think one of the, one of the sort of mental things for me has just been the the sheer length of time that we have been working on building the campaign and and progressing it and I I joke with sort of colleagues at work that you know 60 to 75 percent of my mental capacity at any time is taken up with worrying about the road whether that's sponsorship whether that's when I'm going to fit a training session in whether that's how well I prepared I feel for a, a row at the weekend whatever that happens to be I spend the majority of my time, I, I don't know how the other guys feel about this, but, but the row is sort of, sort of the screensaver to my mind at the moment, most of the time. Uh, and, and that, actually dealing with that intensity has been quite challenging. And I historically struggle to switch off. So that's something that I'm sort of, you know, I, I've had to think about and focus on. And there have definitely been ups and downs along the sort of 18 months that we've already been going at this. And and again, this is something we did discuss a bit as a team, but one of the things that I feel is that at the beginning of it, it was really easy to convince ourselves that this was a really fantastic idea. We're doing it for two amazing causes. Everybody's going, you know, people are going to want to chuck support at us. You know, people are going to fire money at us. They're going to throw loads of support at us. You know, training, we're just going to fly through because we're all young, fit, healthy guys. And there was probably a moment about, six months in when like do you know what training was really hard our training program itself probably really kicked off formally in in october of last year it was really hard you know we were all having to get to the gym more frequently than than well certainly from my point of view i was in the gym more frequently than i normally would be you're trying to work that around working full time we were firing out emails to all of these contacts that we had who we were certain sure we're gonna you know love the cause and 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 as i say you know want to support it with both barrels um and and we were getting a lot of no's you know you're getting a lot of people saying actually no i'm not going to invest loads of money in in putting a logo on the side of your boat while you guys were across the atlantic and we had a bit of a a crisis meeting is perhaps a, a a bit of a strong word for it but we came together as a crew i can't even remember now whether it was late 2019 or, or early this year and sort of said, look, guys, like reality's hitting here. And if this is going to happen, 
we 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 need to really sit down and focus on it. We, you know, we really need, we need to really sit down and focus on how we're going to go about fundraising, how we're going to divide our time up, and 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 Dan in particular, and, and Justin as well, who come from more corporate backgrounds than than myself and and Mark. And I'm terrible for this. Like I'm the blue skies guy, and I'm, I'm not really the, the the project management guy. And and those guys put in place some really, really good working structures. And so they said, okay, well, look, this is how we're going to work. And this is how we're going to capture information. And this is how we're going to push forward. And and I think for me, mentally, that was a really challenging time because, I, I, as you say, I, I cling to this idea of being the founder. I, I feel a strong sense of ownership of it as a project. And I think faced up to a reality of, actually, do you know what? Might, maybe this won't happen. And maybe we're not going to be able to make this happen. And, and fortunately, we've, we've come out the other side of that because of the hard work of the team. But for me, and, and that, was a, that was a real sort of mental struggle for a, for a good few months, I think. And as you said, like the challenge itself and the sponsorship and the costs to a campaign are, are significantly large. So I can imagine that trying to find sponsorship, especially in a global pandemic, makes the job even harder. It has been challenging. I think I think it's I think we should say that it's always challenging for crews to, to raise funds for this type of thing. I think there is there is a good rationale for people to support these types of things financially, like in terms of actual business results that corporate sponsors get out of them. But it's not always easy to see people it's not always easy to convey that. And and I think, you know, we yeah, we have we have had uh, our challenges, haven't we? But it's all been it's all been good learning experience, I think, for us as a crew. I think I think we'd all say that. And it's all and all of these disciplines i think when you when you said earlier andy about how you're preparing yourself for getting up during the night and rowing well i think it's going to be difficult to to prepare for that exact scenario maybe one of the other guys in the crew has got a, an all singing or dancing solution for that but, but i think also just doing things that you're forcing yourself to do things that you wouldn't normally do that act of discipline i think helps you um, when you want to do other things that you don't normally do and i think we've had to enforce a few disciplines on ourselves to do this venture just like other people have to do when they do other ventures and i think that's been helpful to us i think it's been it's been really good been really good learning experience for us i guess that the only way to get through it is to all pull together all do what you can and persevere and from what i understand and from what talking to rory previously and bits and pieces that you guys are, are doing well and you're in a good space for when december comes yeah we are and i think i think the other thing to say is something so i'm personally really grateful for is that throughout the, the times where you know a bit more challenges like getting fundraising in and things like that everybody was uh, really in really good spirits and uh, really good to each other and i think for me that was a really good foundation because going to need plenty more of that uh, when we're at the sea especially when our chats run out when i got no when i got no more bad stories to tell when rory's got no more bad stories to tell we know we really need to get there i think i think just to add to that the thing about navigating these challenges is about confronting them sort of head on and i think we we've obviously as we stated or as we mentioned at the start we've got our objectives is basically to row across, across the Atlantic as quickly as possible and as quickly as the conditions allow. So that's like, I guess, our overall objective as a team and how that's been translated to the different parts of the campaign has varied and that's sort of evolved. So back sort of around Christmas time when we had that challenge of, of fundraising, you're still there's still so many different facets to pre- the preparation, but it was all about, okay, what's the most critical one that we need to to really confront head on and prepare for? And at that point, it was obviously fundraising. And as we already said, the training was also quite um, 
quite intensive and we actually made an active decision then to reduce the training and focus on on the fundraising because you can be as fit as you like but if you don't have the, the money for the campaign then it's it's all pretty pointless so we then focus on the fundraising we obviously had some luck um, I think we need that with all, all these type of things and uh, and managed to get ourselves into a position where we could do the race. And that was obviously prior to COVID kicking off and everything that was made the whole challenge even even tougher. Um, and I think we've taken that same approach through the rest of the campaign and up until where we've got to now. And obviously now we're focusing on more about getting the boat set up and getting ourselves set up um, and prepared to achieve that goal of going as quickly as we can across the Atlantic. So I think it's it's just being very clear about what our objective is and how that translates to that specific point in time, that specific challenge that we're facing and ensuring that we are putting our efforts against the things that really matter. Because there's always lots of things you can do that make you feel like you're doing something helpful, but it, it might not necessarily be the most effective. And I think challenging ourselves continuously that we are putting our effort behind the most important thing will be key both in preparation and also on the crossing itself. In the coming episodes, we'll talk about case studies on how you've battled through different barriers and obstacles that have arisen. One of the main things that you're doing this this challenge for is to obviously raise money and to support um, a couple of charities. Do you guys want to tell us about the charities that you're supporting and tell us a little bit about them? We're supporting two charities and I'll, I'll kick off with one of them, which is Pursuing Independent Paths is is, um, is one that I was particularly keen to support when we were deciding which charities we, we should support. The guys will, will talk about uh, my name is Doddy, which is the other one that we're supporting, which is incredibly proud to support. I have a personal connection to Pursuing Independent Paths. Um, I'm a trustee uh, there. They are um, a charity that help adults with learning disabilities thrive and, and gain more independence. Uh, it's a small West London charity, hugely successful in terms of building confidence, building skills, building employment opportunities for adults with learning disabilities. And you only need to go into W9 to see the, the real strong effects that um, that I had with, with everybody who goes there. So, so that's, a, that's a really great charity. Really proud to be supporting that. We can make a a really meaningful difference to to a charity of that size uh, with funds that we raise for the road. So, so that's really exciting. The other charity that I, I alluded to earlier is is the My Name's Doddy Foundation, which is a, a charity for people with with motor neurone disease. So it, it was initially set up by by Doddy Weir, who is a, a former. Scotland and, and British and Irish Lions uh, Rugby International, who was diagnosed with, with motor neuron disease a few years ago. And sort of his, his response to that was to, to look around and see what was going on and what support was available and, and ultimately decide that he felt that, you know, setting up his own foundation was going to be the, the, the best thing that he could do to help himself and also to help others with the you know with the disease and motor neuron disease is, is sort of very close to, to my heart as i mentioned earlier a really good friend of mine steph died of motor neuron disease five six years ago now he, he was diagnosed in his in his mid-20s and and had sort of a five-year battle with, with the disease and as a result of that i, I kind of a saw the, the effects of, of motor neuron disease which was was difficult to watch but but more importantly just saw the way that Steph kind of fought against that the, the way that Steph kind of dealt with with that diagnosis and the way that he sort of battled on you know the, the machines that were keeping him alive decided that, that, that his time had come and that he, he asked to have those switched off and that period in my life was 
sort of very transformative. Just, you know, people talk about dealing with adversity, people talk about resilience, but to see that was sad, yes, but also kind of really inspirational. And Steph was a really good friend of mine. You know, we were mates, we were we played rugby together. I think from the age of 10 or 11, we were, we were at secondary school together. His house was was the house that I snuck into late at night when we'd been out clubbing. He, he, was, he was that mate for me. And not only that, he was a phenomenal rugby player. He was an incredible kind of physical specimen. He was an intelligent guy. He was studying for his PhD in cancer research at, at the time of his diagnosis, which unfortunately he had to give up be, be, because of the diagnosis and, and he had to move home to... to you know, receive all of the care that he needed. And this is in part about me kind of honouring the memory of, of Steph, but also in part about supporting the work that my name is Dottie do to try and make things better for, for motor neuron disease sufferers in the future. The, the charity works in, in two ways. One, it helps to fund research into finding treatments and finding cures for motor neuron disease. And then the other thing that it does is it provides grants to help to improve the lives of motor neuron disease sufferers in, in the sort of here and now, in, in, in whatever way that, that that might be. And I kind of think that there's a nice link between both pursuing independent paths who are looking to support people with learning disabilities to, to lead more fulfilling lives, and also with the work that my, the My Name is Doddy Foundation do to do the same thing, but for people with motor neuron disease and, and to provide that support the, that they might need in order to improve their quality of life for what is unfortunately at this stage a, a terminal and an incurable condition. So yeah, that, 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 those are, are the two main charities. Two really, really worthy causes. And if anyone wants to go and support and donate and help the, the campaign, then they can do so on the website, which is www.onshouldersofgiants.net. And you can find that link as well on, on their Instagram, which is at on shoulders of giants. So I really do think that everyone should get behind the guys. They're a good group of guys. They're doing it for a worthy cause. And it's one of the biggest challenges that anyone could take on in the world. So we'll learn more about them over the coming episodes and we'll find out a little bit more about their, their highs, their lows over the coming months before they head off to get themselves underway on one of the biggest challenges in the world. <laughs>